Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. As I was doing some research across, I came across an article dated March of 24, March 24th of 2021. So a little over a year ago. And the headline was, Passover Sacrifice Dry Run Takes Place Near Temple Mount. They talked about an organization called the Temple Organization and how they had been going through dry runs for the Passover temple service. And this has been going on for like 10 years now, every year. And it was, it, it was kind of an interesting article because they also had a video in it. And you would have, you kind of see the Old Testament garb of the priests. And then on the other side of the stage, you had a rock band. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny to watch because it was just so, it was just totally separate, totally opposite of what I would think of. Um, so, I guess when I say the the priesthood um, of the new of the New Testament, am I talking about the the priestly garb, all that? And that's not what I'm focusing on tonight. Um, Christ has already done that for us. The temple sacrifices in the Old Testament all point to the perfect lamb being slain for the sins of the entire world. If you open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm going to be focused, I'd like to pull up Hebrews 6, uh, verses 3 through 10. Which says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So for it, we have been planted together in likeness of his death, so shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve in sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died not more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And I really want to focus on that, that last verse, verse 10, for that he died, he died unto once. And just kind of going back to that article that I was, I was pointing to, that Passover dry run, that's the part that also kind of makes you sad because you realize the, the nation of Israel has missed that Messiah. He died once that he loveth unto God. So the, kind of the foundation for this message is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And the reason it's the foundation is 
let me ask this question. How many of you believe that we are priests? Just by a raise of hands. Huh? Most of you? Where does that come from? So 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 10. So let's go ahead and read that. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may go thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Verse 5, Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, and a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, Jesus Christ, which is in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So in First Peter, in the, in the first verse in Peter, is encouraging us to put away all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. He is encouraging us to be like newborn babies that desire nothing but their mother's milk, which is related to the Word of God. He also lays out that Jesus is our high priest in this new priesthood. So we are priests. Before I go on, I'd like to take some time to think about some of the similarities between the Old Testament priest and the New Testament priesthood. And once again, I was, as I was kind of preparing, I came across a Jewish-focused website written by Jews, you could say, and it kind of talked through the duties and history of the priest, including the chief priest. And what I thought was kind of interesting is, even from the Jewish perspective, they understand um, that there were worthy servants, take your errands, some of those, who they would see as undefiled, but they also recognized that the priests were part of what led them away from God and Israel. You can actually see some of that in Samuel, specifically as stated about his children not following Samuel's leadership while also taking bribes and perverting justice. So when we look at this New Testament priesthood, what comes to your mind? Maybe think back to what you know about the priest in the Old Testament. So, what was required to go into the presence of God? Anybody got an answer? Say what? Mud? Blood. Blood, yep. What could be worn? Linen, yep, it's very specific. Who could go into the presence of God? The high priest, yep. 
How often? Once a year. Yep. What had to die before going in? Lamb. All right. So it's as we kind of skip forward, I kind of wanted to lay the foundations for why we are priesthood. Um, the main text for tonight will actually be from 1 Samuel chapter 12, and we'll be starting in verses 16. So 1 Samuel 12, 16. So this would be Samuel, and kind of the background here is that King Saul had just had a military victory for Israel. So it's kind of the high point, and that's when you kind of see Samuel stepping away. And starting in verse 16, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. It is, not, is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servant unto the Lord thy God, that we may die, that we may die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. So as we look in, into the life of Samuel, we can draw out some interesting points from his life. Notice what Samuel sees as sin. So if we look in verse 23, he believes that it is a sin if he stopped praying for the nation of Israel. So how does that relate to you as a priest? As we look into our own life, who should we be praying for? And it kind of cracks me up because we kind of came out of a time of prayer. So I feel like I'm a little bit like I'm preaching to the choir here, but... On Thursdays and Fridays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Saturdays, are we still holding up our brothers and sisters in prayer? Or is this something we only do when we are inside of this building? This is only a matter between you and God, but we clearly see our responsibility before God. We see this example of unceasing prayer even in the writings of Paul as he writes to his beloved churches and how he has not stopped praying for them. Not only did Samuel believe it was a sin to stop praying, but he believed that it was his role as a priest to teach what was good and right. As a father, I have a pretty, like, I can teach my children. 
but that's going to be different for every age. I'm sure there's people in older that you've got kids down with June. You, you teach the kids down there. I mean, that's a big deal. But you're teaching the next generation. But not only was Samuel called to never stop praying and teaching, but if we move down to the next verse, verse 24, um, Samuel understands the basic basis of everything we talked about. He understands that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. What does it mean to fear God today? It means that we need to understand that he has all power over our lives. Ask for ways that we can show... <clears throat> sorry. Notice how Samuel pulls on our history with God. If you have been saved from your sin, you should remember a point in time when you accepted Christ as your Savior. Samuel is simply asking us to look back at our history with God and remember the great things he hath done. As I personally can think back over the years of what God has done in my life, I grew up in a, a pretty closed community. And I can think back to when I wasn't saved. And I was doing stuff that was dangerous. But yet God allowed me to, to remain alive, and he saved me. And I'm thankful for that. And each one of us can think back to those times. And one more thing on that is if you have been saved for a long period of time or even a short period of time, I would encourage you to write that down. Pastors talked about the doing like a video testimony. And just personally, for me, just writing that out. I haven't done the video, but just writing it out has just been kind of amazing for the kids. I can say, hey, this is what I've done, and I can kind of clearly present it to them. So I'd encourage you in that. So as we look back into the Bible in verse 25, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Samuel knows Israel's past. The ups and the downs of Samuel's life has shown that the people of Israel, and even us today, are typically blowing hot and cold. Samuel brings a warning of judgment upon Israel. If you still do wickedly, God will punish. That is a statement that nobody wants to hear, but we need to remember that this can happen to us even today. In Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 7, Until the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them, which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and have found them liars. And hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember wherefore, therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the works, first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thee, remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That thou, that this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that, that overcometh, I will give the, to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise. 
Notice that not only does Samuel give a warning about the nation of Israel, but Christ, through the Apostle Paul, gives a warning to the church. And this is not an Old Testament idea, but a God thing. We are responsible for our actions either way. So what should our be our response to the prophet and priest Samuel? I think really the main reason I wanted to go through this is not, I don't feel like we have a problem with prayer, but it's just really an encouragement. As a priest, you are, you're, you're held specially accountable. Even if you look at the Old Testament, there was an accountability there. And as we look at each other, take the time to go through and to think about your brothers and sisters and to pray for them. And just if we come together and we pray and we focus on each other, I think the, what's happening around us in this world will go away. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this time. We go through your word. And I just ask that you just stay with us this week and keep our hearts focused on you. I ask that you help us to keep our brothers and sisters in our prayers, especially the ones that are not here tonight for sickness reasons. I ask that you also be with Pastor as he's coming back. And I just ask that you provide him traveling mercies there. Help us to live up to our role as a, as a priest. And help us to each day live our lives wholly dedicated to you so that you might be glorified and that many may come to know you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that's all. You guys may be dismissed.